You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts odds maker Nick Kalikas of Circa Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC 253 event, which takes place on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC 253 features an 11 fight card in total and will be aired on UFC Fight Pass, ESPN Plus, ESPN2, and Pay-Per-View this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a light heavyweight contest between Kadis Ibrahimov, who is 8-3, and, and Danilo Marquez, who is 9-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? couple quick notes here before we get rolling first off make sure you guys head over to ufc fight pass and check out ufc on the line for ufc 253 it's trending right now on fight pass and that's our ufc gambling show that i'm proud to be a part of so if you guys want our picks and predictions and bets for this weekend's big pay-per-view card costa versus adesanya make sure you head over to ufc fight pass and check out ufc on the line it's an awesome show really enjoy doing it so give us some support and head over there and check it out also, the opening betting odds that I will be quoting on this podcast originate from MMAOddsBreaker.com. They're market opening numbers, and Adam Martin is in charge of that article. He does a great job with it, so make sure you check out UFC 253 opening betting odds by Adam Martin, and those are the opening odds that I will be quoting. The updated prices are from Circa Sports here in Las Vegas, so the current odds will be from Circa Sports. And again, the opening odds were market numbers that hit the sports books first. So that's where we're at with it. And the first fight of the night should be a pretty exciting fight. Uh, Ibrahimov opened minus 240. The comeback on Marquez at plus 205. And right now what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is Ibrahimov at minus 160. The comeback on Marquez at plus 140. Difficult fight at the betting window. I got to be honest with you. I understand the early action coming in on Marquez. I get it. I mean, at, at plus 205, I think it's kind of a no-brainer. You got to go his way or not. Um, you can't lay that kind of chalk the other way. Ibrahimov, I think, is actually the better, more talented fighter of the two. It's just, man, he's really not shown his best thus far in the UFC. He's on a three-fight losing skid. I mean, he's had some good moments, but his gas tank, his defense, I mean, he showed some serious flaws in his game thus far. Offensively, I think he's really good, though. I mean, I think he's a dangerous and capable fighter. And I think here against Marquez, he could kind of bounce back and highlight some of those and showcase some of those skills that he does have if he fights smart. But the danger here is Marquez does have a pretty good ground game. He does have a little bit of power on the feet as well. So Ibrahimov has to be somewhat cautious, but I still think Marquez is still developing in the stand-up game. I think he's hittable. I think uh, Ibrahimov can definitely have success there. Um, I think he just, if he could sprawl brawl, keep this fight upright, pick pick Marquez apart, I think he could get it done here. So I think that's probably the way this fight plays out. But I mean, the confidence level can't be high either way here. So it, I think it is kind of more your grappling base fighter Marquez taking on like you're more of a striking base fighter and Ibrahimov. Again, these guys are a little bit more well-rounded that especially Ibrahimov. But I think that's what we're going to see play out here. Ibrahimov's going to want to keep it upright. 
and kind of beat Marquez up or get possible top position. Just be careful not to get swept and drop some ground and pound here and see what he could do there. But overall, I think you have to lean Ibrahimov despite his non-success thus far in the UFC. I think this is a winnable fight for him. So my pick is Ibrahimov. Be careful if you're betting this fight. I'm going to go Ibrahimov as well. Um, he is just the more aggressive, active, powerful striker. And if he can keep this upright, he should either knock Marquez out or outpoint him uh, and win a decision. Uh, Marquez is the more dangerous ground fighter. If he can drag this to the floor, he does have the submission ability to uh, pull this out. We've seen Ibrahimov get choked out with the guillotine choke, so it could happen. Uh, Ibrahimov's gone 0-3 in the UFC so far. He's been... Quite a disappointment, honestly. Uh, losing to Jung, then Ed Herman, a decision, and then most recently, Delize was able to win uh, a TKO against him back in July. So it has been a nightmare for uh, Ibrahimov, who started his career 7-0 and to earn an opportunity in the UFC. So, uh, But this is a very winnable matchup. I mean, Marquez is 34. He's making his UFC debut he hasn't fought in um, two and a half years uh, since uh, February of 2018. So uh, unless he's made some serious, stark improvements to his game, I just don't see a path to victory here for him other than dragging this to the floor and working for a submission. Um, Ibrahimov should just be the better fighter. He's been fighting more consistently and actively and... Uh, he should get the win here, but I am concerned because again, Ibrahimov has laid the eggs so many times in the octagon, but he is my pick this time around. Now, moving up to the heavyweight division, we have Jeff Hughes, who is 10 and 3, taking on Juan Espino, who is 9 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds maker's perspective on this one? Espino opened minus 220 to come back on Hughes at plus 185. And right now what we're seeing over at Circa Sports, Espino minus 295 to come back on Hughes at plus 250. So a little bit more action coming in Espino's way early on. Don't blame you, man. I mean, the ultimate fighter winner, this guy looks legit. In the heavyweight division, he could be the dark horse. I mean, he's got some serious skill. He's got wrestling background, tremendous ground game, finishing ability with his submission skill, nasty ground to pound, some power on the feet. I mean, on the feet, it's kind of not where you want to be. Uh, if you're a Spino, I think you could utilize, like I said, that wrestling, that ground more so than anything. And I think Hughes actually is a difficult matchup, sort of speak, for a Spino because Hughes does have some decent hands. He's got a wrestling background in his own right. Of course, tr- training with heavyweight champion Stipe Miosic, I think, is never a bad thing for Hughes either. So I think Hughes is going to be a, a stern test for a Spino here. But again, I really feel like a Spino is kind of the dark horse right now in the heavyweight division. And he's got such a dominant ground game. I don't see him really losing this fight to Hughes. I think it will be a tough test, but it's a tough test he can pass so early on the minus 220 i understand why people are coming in that way as it's creeping up towards 300 i think you got to be a little bit more cautious and back away from it at this point so i am going to pick espino to win i I don't think there's any value left though you got to respect hughes at the current number here so you got to kind of back away but my pick will be espino to beat hughes yeah the the main thing that scares me here it it's two things actually. Um, it's Espino's age, you know, 39, although that doesn't quite matter as much in the heavyweight division where they're not quite as reliant on speed and reflexes. Um, and the fact, the main thing though is the fact that he hasn't fought in almost two years. His uh, last performance was when he won the ultimate fighter beating Justin Frazier, 
uh, in the Tough 28 finale back in November of 2018. So this is his first fight since then. Uh, this is even the first fight he's even been booked since then. So um, I am concerned, but it's a winnable fight. You know, Hughes is a guy that has talent. Um, you know, he beat Maurice Green back in LFA. Uh, he had a nice performance against Josh Pelt on Contender Series to earn the UFC opportunity. But so far, it's been a disappointment in the octagon. He lost a rematch to Green in his debut, had a no contest against Todd Duffy, and then most recently lost uh, against Pessoa uh, back a year ago uh, on uh, ESPN Plus 20. So... I am concerned, uh, for both guys, honestly, due to inactivity, but, uh, the biggest concern is that Hughes is just so inactive when he fights. Uh, he just does not push the tempo. He allows his opponent to dictate everything. On the feet, Hughes should still be better, but he needs to keep this upright and be aggressive. And that has just not been his forte. He allows his opponents to dictate everything. And if he does that, I think Espino will be able to close the distance, will be able to drag this to the floor, and should be able to at least win a decision on the ground, if not submit Hughes, uh, because his ground game is no joke. I mean, he, uh, he won the Ultimate Fighter with a straight arm lock. He tapped out Maurice Green, who actually is a pretty good athlete and a decent ground fighter, uh, with a first, you know, um, a rear naked choke in less than two minutes. Uh, he's won a significant amount of his fights, uh, throughout his, uh, pre UFC and tough career by submission as well. So I think, uh, the most likely outcome here is Espino survives on the feet, closes the distance, drags us to the floor and either chokes out Hughes or wins a decision through uh, top control. So Espino is going to be my pick. Now. Dropping back down to the light heavyweight division, we have William Knight, who is eight and one, taking on Alexa Kammer, who is six and zero. Oh. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Kammer opened minus one thirty to come back on Knight plus one ten, and right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Kammer minus one fifty to come back on Knight plus one thirty. This line went up to about. I believe 180, 190 or so, um, minus 190-ish, may almost minus 200. Now it's climbing back down. There is some respected sharp action coming in at night. Um, there is some public action coming in his way as well. So at the betting window, it's night, the powerhouse, the beast, man. I mean, this guy definitely fits the bill. This guy is an explosive, powerful athlete that's only getting better in the fight game. And, I mean, you can see what he's capable of doing here, and he's – getting more experience and he's getting a little bit better on the ground as his career progresses a little bit. And that's where I think he needs the most work at for sure. He's got a little bit of wrestling, which is a good thing for him for sure. But at the same time, he has to develop that ground defense a little bit more. And he's starting to show, like I said, some life though, because he has the capabilities of hanging in there, um, defending okay, and then reversing things in situations. And if you get this guy on top of you, you're in some serious trouble. So I, I understand why the respect on night, but I think Hammer's still, the better overall fighter. I think he's going to be a little bit faster. I think he's more diverse on the feet. I think uh, he's got a little bit more technical skill overall. I think his kicking game's on point. I think Knight has to be really careful with what he can bring at him um, as far as Kammer mixing in those high kicks and, and just mixing things up a little bit better in the angles and the speed that he utilizes. I think Knight defensively does have some issues um, on the feet at times. I mean, he's very hittable, and, and the way he backs up, he's kind of unsure of himself. So I think Kammer can take advantage of that a little bit. He just has to be cautious. 
balls because he's hittable as well. And uh, he has to hang in there and, and kind of weather, I think, an early storm or so, sort of speak and try. I think it wouldn't be a good idea. Um, I think in some cases, if he's not capable of keeping him down, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kamer does go for the takedown here and try to take Knights back and, and kind of finish the job. We've seen Knight being the, put in that position before and have some problems there. So I think that is a path to victory for Kamer as well. If he could get utilize his offensive wrestling, which he doesn't really have a tendency to do quite yet in his career, I think we're going to see more and more of that as his kind of career goes on. But I think that might not be a bad idea here. And like I said, if he can maintain control, though, because, again, dealing with Knight on the ground could be a beast for sure, uh, not an easy task. So I think overall, Kamer's a better fighter, and I think it's actually a favorite or pass situation as the line creeps down and more action keeps on coming in at night. I think a little bit of value opens up by Kamer, but I can understand, again, the respect factor here. Uh, you got to be careful. I think both these guys are capable of finishing, but I do prefer Kamer in this spot. So my pick is Kamer and maybe a little bit of value his way as well. Yeah, Knight is a physical specimen, and if this was a battle of who looked the scariest before the fight started, you'd be picking Knight, you know, a majority of the time. But Kamer just has him outskilled. Um, you know, Kamer is a training partner, probably one of the top training partners of uh, Stipe Miocic, the heavyweight champion. And, you know, he has applied those skills to uh, his UFC career here. Uh, had a great performance on Contender Series to earn a UFC debut and then was able to defeat Justin Ledette in that debut. Wasn't the best performance, but he still was able to pull out a win back in January. And uh, I just think he's by far the better striker here. I mean, Knight does have some power, but uh, he has some defensive holes as well. And, uh, you know, you've seen him already get uh, TKO'd. Although granted, you know, and Chuckway is a really good fighter that he got TKO'd by, but uh that there is the chance here that Knight gets knocked out on the feet. And uh watching Knight, he really doesn't have that great of offensive wrestling, even though his ground game is good. Um, you know, he tech typically gets top position because somebody else initiated the ground and then he reverses the position, gets on top, and then either ground and pounds or goes for submissions. So as long as Kamer avoids shooting in for takedowns, and he could try to do that because he is, has some wrestling, but if Kamer avoids the ground game entirely, it's going to be a really tough night for four night. So uh, I think Kamer outstrikes him on the feet and at some point either knocks him out or rides it out and wins a decision. So Kamer's going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Shane Young, who is 13 and 4, taking on Ludovic Klein, who is 16 and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Young opened minus 165 to come back on Klein at plus 125. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Klein minus 118 to come back on Young at minus 102. So the line flipped early action coming in Klein's way. Surprising. I think that Young, I would expect to get a little bit more action because I think he's more of the public name, so to speak. I mean, on Adesanya's team, obviously, Adesanya, the headliner. I mean, just part of a great team in general. Those guys are a pretty close, tight-knit group, so doing a lot of good things, as we know. Um, again, so Young, I think, has some momentum going his way as well, and I think he's a very solid fighter. So that gives you an idea of what kind of respect out there some betters have for the likes of Klein, and I think rightfully so. Klein is a beast, man. If you look at some of the footage out there on him, this guy's legit. He's faced some decent competition on the feet. This guy's a southpaw, has 
power, has speed, has that killer instinct, has a really good setup with his high kick. And man, the accuracy with that sucker is just beautiful. I mean, he's put many people's lights out with it. And I think you have to be cautious. I mean, this guy, like I said, he's so fun to watch on the feet. He's got power, great technical skill. And Young comes to fight, though. So this is going to be kind of a back and forth type of war. I just think Klein's a little bit more technically sound on the feet. And I think he's a little bit more dangerous. I think Young's going to have to kind of mix things up a little bit more. Um, I, I also have to respect Klein's guillotine choke, man. If Young does shoot in for some takedowns, which I think he will throughout this fight, um, he's got to respect Klein has a sneaky good guillotine that he's capable of tapping people out with as well. So a lot to like about Klein here in this spot. But at the same time, I know Young, like I said, there's a lot to like about him. He keeps on improving. I mean, he's coming off back-to-back wins. The confidence level is getting there for him. He's kind of hitting his groove, and he's going to push a very high pace. He's going to probably be the one pushing more of an overall pace, and he's going to be the one kind of looking to take this fight down and just kind of controlling overall. So it's going to be a very close fight. I think Pickham's about right for this line. I could see it going back and forth, and I've kind of been swaying which way I'm going to go with this fight, to be honest with you, because I think it's one of those cases where I could realistically see Young winning on the scorecards, but a very tight, close decision, or I could see Klein doing enough damage along the way, possibly even stopping Young and winning the fight that way too. So very tough fight. Pickham's about right. I'm going to slightly lean Klein's way because I do like what I see. I think he's going to be in here. And like I said, I like the danger factor. And I think even if it hits the scorecards, it's going to be close enough that he could possibly win there as well. So I'll slightly lean his way. It should be an awesome fight, but another tough one to pick and bet at the betting window. And I'm going to go Klein as well. Um, you know, this guy's really interesting. Uh, a lot of people don't know that much about him because he's making his UFC debut here. He's stepping in on about two weeks notice for Nate Landwehr, who uh, tested positive for COVID. Um, so you know, there, there hasn't been a lot of time for people to get to know him, but uh, he's impressive. I mean, Klein is a really dangerous striker. He's a southpaw stance fighter. Really good, uh, high kick, good striking technique, uh, power in his, uh, left hand. So, you know, this is a guy that is going to present some problems for young. Um, I mean, this guy is dangerous on the feet. It's going to boil down to, uh, will young be able to mix this up, make this a true MMA fight? Because I think on the feet, he is outgunned. Uh, unless Klein has a big adrenaline dump and the, the bright lights of the UFC are too much for him, uh, in his octagon debut, which we have seen, uh, I really think, uh, Klein has a legitimate chance. I mean, this guy, he's, he's tested. Nick said he's, he's faced some decent fighters. His last opponent, um, he faced a UFC veteran, Lucas Sajewski, and he obliterated him with a head kick and punches in, a, in the first round. So, you know, this guy has faced UFC caliber competition and been victorious. He's entering the UFC on a seven fight win streak and has finished his opponent in six of those seven fights, um, including going to the end of the fourth round in one of them. So, um, you know that he can, uh, go the three round distance as well. So I'm not too concerned about conditioning. I'm not concerned about the striking. Uh, it really just boils down to can young, uh, mix it up because on the feet, young's outgunned, but, uh, young has shown he does have some ground game. You know, he won, uh, he got a stoppage with a elbow and punches against uh D in his two fights ago and was able to outpoint Austin Arnett, a decent fighter in his last fight. But, 
Uh, you know, the only time that Young has really faced a top guy was Volkanovski, and he got completely dominated in that fight. So, obviously, Volkanovski's the champion, but uh, I do think that Klein is the superior striker here, and unless Young is able to take him out of that element, uh, I think Young's in for a long night. So, uh, I'm going to go with the, the upstart newcomer here in Klein to get the win potentially by knockout. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Diego Sanchez, who is 30 and 12, taking on Jake Matthews, who is 16 and 4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Matthews up at minus 450, the comeback on Sanchez plus 350. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, minus 650 for Matthews, the comeback on Sanchez at plus 495. The line was too short, the opening line. I mean, no disrespect to Diego Sanchez. This guy's one of the all-time greats from the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, the original cast, the original season. I mean, what more can you say about this? This is just phenomenal that he's had the ability to hang in there and, and through the wars and all the great fights that he's put on in the UFC to hang in there and still be relevant in 2020. Relevant, sort of speak, by getting matched up with a future prospect and contender in Matthews. I mean, I know Matthews has been around for a little while now, so he's had his ups and downs in the UFC, but he's still, there's a lot of promise to Matthews. And I think, you know, matching him up with a veteran like Sanchez, I mean, they're still using Sanchez as a gatekeeper, sort of speak. So it says a lot for Diego Sanchez. Obviously, Diego's going to be outclassed here. I mean, that's why everybody came in and took that opening line. 450 wasn't high enough, and now we're sitting at 650 or so. I think you have to respect Sanchez somewhat because, I mean, he is a savvy vet. He's got a little bit of power on the feet. He's going to go for it here. I mean, I think that's almost his only shot in path to victory is kind of a little bit uh, being a little bit wild and relentless here and maybe hoping to clip Matthews or, you know, hop maybe rock him and hop on a sub or something like that. But outside of that, I think Matthews picks Sanchez apart. I think he's just a better fighter at this point. And I think Sanchez is going to get beat up here pretty bad, to be honest with you. So it's one of those cases where I kind of hope for Diego Sanchez's sake that he does kind of hang him up soon because I don't want to see this guy take a lot of damage or a lot more damage to end his career. I think, you know, like I said, he's given us a lot of great fights and taken a lot of damage through the years. I don't think there's anything kind of left to prove for him. So hopefully it's not that bad for him here, but I do think Matthews probably beats him up and gets a W here and maybe even finishes him along the way. So respect to Sanchez. I just think Matthews kind of runs through him here though. So my pick is Matthews at the current betting window Again, minus 650, I'm not really eager to go and jump on that line, though, either. So I'm probably going to stay away from it personally. So I think you guys probably should out there as well. But the pick is Matthews to win. And I'm on Matthews as well. Uh, he has really impressed since moving up to the welterweight division. He's uh, gone 5-1 uh, and one in his last six fights, um, including some impressive wins over the likes of uh, Jingling Lee. Um, Shinzo, Shinzo Anzai, uh, most recently Emil Weber Meek. Um, I mean, the guy has, uh, put on some good performances, uh, combining improved stand up with aggressive wrestling and, uh, tough top position and uh, a little bit of a submission game. Uh, and Diego Sanchez, I mean, what more can you say? I mean, the guy's been in the UFC since tough season one as the winner that of that season. And, uh, you know, he's been able to make up for a lack of technical skill with just pure heart and pace and toughness. And it has won him some fights that he probably should not have won. And I just don't think that that is working anymore. You know, he's, his chin isn't quite what it used to be. We've seen him get knocked out a few times. We've seen him get finished 
uh, and uh, you know Diego take it on Jake Matthews. He should be outgunned everywhere. Matthews should be the better wrestler. Matthews has the better submission game. Matthews is the better striker. Um, Sanchez still does have some sneaky pop in his hands. You know, nothing crazy, but we have seen Matthews get hurt before. So Sanchez could blast him with uh, something out of nowhere. Um, we have seen Matthews slow down a little bit in fights. So maybe Matthews pursues a finish, doesn't get it. And Diego pulls something out late. Um, we've also seen Sanchez, you know, game the system a little bit like he did in his last fight. He ate an illegal shot and he milked it. He won a disqualification against Pereira. Granted, it was Pereira's fault for throwing an illegal strike, but, uh, you know, Diego was well on his way to losing that fight up until that happened. So barring something crazy like that happening, Matthews should roll here. He is the biggest favorite on the card for a reason. And I think he wins you know, by a pretty wide margin. So my pick is going to be Jake Matthews. Now, dropping down to the lightweight division for the preliminary card headliner, we have Brad Riddell, who is eight and one, taking on Alex Da Silva, who is twenty one and two. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers' perspective on this one? Riddell open minus 240 to come back on De Silva at plus 205. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, Riddell minus 280 to come back plus 235 on De Silva. Market-wide, there is some 300s out there as well, so more actually coming in on Riddell. Understand it. Stylistically, it's kind of a tough matchup for De Silva because he's not going to be able to probably strike with Riddell. Riddell, an outstanding striker that's continuing to improve his overall MMA game. But on the feet, it's where it's at with him. I think he has... Clean, precise striking, knockout power to go along with it. Takedown defense is getting to the point where it's very difficult to take this fight to the floor. If you're facing a guy like Riddle, I mean, his just ability to improve and, and kind of keep the fight where he wants it and do damage on the feet is where it's at with Riddle. So I think Da Silva is going to kind of be in for a long fight, long night, sort of speak here. But Da Silva does have... I think a path to victory and that is kind of taking riddles back utilizing the ground game that he does have a better overall, I think submission game and grappling advantage over riddle on the ground. So riddle again, developing that overall, but it's if De Silva can get him to the ground and utilize some of that more so than anything else. And it's going to be difficult, but I wouldn't be surprised if De Silva is capable and able to take riddles back at times, Riddell's back at times, excuse me, and, uh, and make life a little bit interesting and make it things a little bit more complicated for Riddell in this spot too. So I wouldn't sleep on De Silva here. He has stand up continues to improve, has a little bit of power on the feet as well. Um, and is becoming a really solid, well-rounded fighter. So yeah, I'm expecting this to be a lot closer than everybody thinks. I think De Silva is going to show up and make this a fight. Um, and again, if he can, get this to the ground and kind of utilize his strength in this matchup in particular. I think he can actually give Riddell some fits, but it's hard not to pick against Riddell here. I think he can sprawl brawl, keep this kind of where he wants it and have success doing so. So the pick is Riddell at the betting window though. I think it's probably a small dog or pass situation. Yeah. I have to side with Riddell. I just think he's the, the better technical striker. Um, he is, uh, pushes the better pace. He has the better striking technique. Um, Da Silva does have a dangerous ground game. He's the superior ground fighter here, but I just don't see him easily aiming, able to drag this fight to the floor. So what I think uh, most likely happens, the most likely outcome of this fight is uh, Riddell um, plays keep away on the feet. Uh, Matador with the takedowns uh, is able to uh, keep the fight standing and just overpowers 
uh, De Silva in the standup. Um, I think uh, Riddell outpoints De Silva over the course of three rounds, and Riddell probably knocks him out in the second or third round. Uh, that being said, you know, De Silva is talented. I mean, this guy entered the UFC uh, with a, t- a 19 and one or 20 and one record. So, you know, he's talented. He's one and one. So uh, in the UFC so far, and he's still just 24 years old. So, uh, you know, the future's bright for uh, De Silva, but I think this is a really tough matchup for him. I think he's just not going to be able to hang with Riddell on the st- in the standup. And unless he can drag this to the floor, he could be in for a long night. So I'm going Riddell. I think he either outpoints or knocks out De Silva at some point over the course of three rounds. Now, moving on to the main card and dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Hakeem Dawadu, who is 11-1-1, taking on Zubera Tahugov, who is 19-4-1. Now, Nick... Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Tahugov opened minus 160, the comeback on Dawadu at plus 140. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, Tahugov minus 135, the comeback on Dawadu plus 115. This line did go to pick them exactly, minus 110 either way. Now we're seeing the line go back towards Tahugov, so closer to the opener price. It's going to be a tough fight, I think, for both guys here. I mean, obviously, Tahugov, I think, is the more well-rounded fighter, the more complete fighter at this stage of the game. I think he needs to utilize that wrestling in this aspect, in this fight against Dawadu, because I think that's how he's going to probably come away with a win. I mean, he does have knockout power, obviously. Dawadu is hittable, and he's been, obviously, clipped and hurt in fights before. And so, I mean, I wouldn't call him really chinny, but at the same time, I mean, that is a path for Tahugov. I wouldn't be surprised if he rocks him, knocks him out, maybe even hops on a sub if he rocks him like that, so to speak. But... Dawadu is definitely the more technical striker of the two. I think he's a better striker. He's a more diverse striker. I think he's a more capable striker. He's fun to watch. He's going to have some length in this fight as well. Um, so I think he's going to piece Tuhugov up on the feet and at a more consistent pace. And he's able to keep the fight upright in most cases. I mean, he's in a spot sometimes because he can get taken down. But once you get him down, it's hard to hold him down. He always finds his way back to the feet. And when he gets back to the feet, he starts taking over fights. So I think that's what's going to happen in this matchup against the Hugoff. I think Dawadu is going to be taken down, but he's not going to be able to get kept down. And, and on the feet, again, he will outpoint and have a little bit more success over to Hugoff. So I think it's going to be a really close fight, 29-28, maybe a split decision type of fight. But I'm leaning towards Dawadu because I do think he is the better striker. And I think he will have more success on the feet in it should be telling enough for him to get the W here. We'll see how the judges score it, or if he could possibly finish to Hugoff along the way. It's not going to be an easy task, but um, like I said, I think he's capable of honestly outstriking and finishing most people in this weight class. I mean, that's how good that this incapable this guy is on the feet. So I like that would do here, and I'm going to pick him to win this fight. So it should be a good one. And I'm going to disagree with Nick here. Um, Dawudu and Tuhugov are both very talented fighters, but I think Tahukov is the more well-rounded of the two. Um, on the feet, uh, Dawadu, I would say, does have an edge. But in terms of chin, uh, you know, Dawadu is lacking there. You know, you saw that in his UFC debut when uh, he got caught by Danny Henry and then uh, choked out, um, which was pretty surprising. Um, Tahukov, I think, is a dangerous striker. He's got some power. And he could clip Dawadu and then finish him with a, a submission, absolutely, or finish him with a knockout. Um, 
That being said, if this fight stays standing for three straight rounds, I would favor Dawadu because he is uh, the more overall talented striker and, uh, and the more aggressive striker. Uh, and we've seen Tahugov kind of take fights off a little bit and lose close decisions or have fights be closer than they should be. Like the Nova fight, he won a split decision. Uh, then he lost a split decision to Moicano. You know, not the worst thing in the world. Moicano is talented, but... Uh, we've also seen him at his best, uh, when he, you know, outworked Douglas De Silva and Drage, uh, and then picked up, uh, stoppage victories against Chavez and Kevin Aguilar. So, you know, he's capable of great performance. He's capable of greatness. He just doesn't always show up. If the Tahugov that fought, uh, Felipe Nover shows up, then Dawadu is going to win in a landslide. But, um, if Tahugo fights to his capabilities, and I do think that when he's on, he is one of the more dangerous fighters in the division, um, then he can absolutely win this fight. Um, you just take, uh, Dawadu out of his element, uh, drag this to the floor. Um, you know, Tahugo should have a, a strong edge on the ground here. Um, it just boils down to can da Dawadu keep this fight standing and avoid getting clipped? Um, and I think there's just too many opportunities here for Tahugov. I think Tahugov could c connect with something nasty and hurt Dawadu on the feet. Uh, I just think over the course of three rounds, there's just too many chances for Dawadu to either clip him on the feet or take this to the floor and potentially submit him. So I'm going to side with Tahugov. Uh, I like the well-roundedness of his game and the uh, advantage in chin strength. Now, dropping down to the women's bantamweight division, we have Ketlin Vieira, who is 10-1, taking on Cesara Eubanks, who is 6-4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Vieira opened minus 280, the comeback on Eubanks at plus 240. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Vieira at minus 180, the comeback on Eubanks, plus 155. I'll tell you what, Eubanks did herself a lot of good put it, pulling out that upset win over Avila recently. I mean, that was definitely a very solid win. Probably the best performance that I've ever seen her put on. So, I mean, the improvement in her game, we know that she's a capable wrestler. I mean, that's what her background is. So she's a very good grappler, high level, um, has decent boxing and can push a very high pace. Her cardio and conditioning, everything was just on point for her in that fight pretty much overall. So I think a lot of respect came in and made this a lot more competitive line. Vieira, of course, coming off of that devastating, surprising knockout loss, so to speak, in her last fight as well, kind of getting back on the horse, so to speak. I think she's a legit title contender in the future. That's how good Vieira is. And I think it's still going to be a difficult matchup for Eubanks, despite her showing some improvements here. I think Vieira is just going to be a little bit more physical. She's um, Eubanks is usually, when she's winning fights, she's kind of the bully. She's the one that kind of dictates and controls the pace. I think she's not going to be able to do that against Vieira that, that well here. And I think Vieira is actually the more capable striker on the feet here as well. So there's just more paths to victory, I think, for Vieira here by winning on the scorecards, by winning on the feet a little bit. The wrestling is going to be close. I, I could see them kind of getting top position and kind of giving each other fits and neutralizing each other out somewhat on the ground. But I think still, overall, it's going to be more clear that Vieira is the better fighter and it should show on the scorecard. So I expect this to go three. And when it does, I expect Vieira's hand to get raised here. So it's probably a favorite or pass situation. But 
I mean, again, it's kind of tough to bet when it's kind of minus 180 and there's almost 200s out there as well. At this point, it's going to be a competitive ladies fight that probably hits the scorecards and judging is all over the place. So I don't really feel too strongly about going out there and laying that chalk in this spot here. Let's see how it plays out. Let's see if, how Vieira answers back. And let's see if, if Eubanks can show, continue to show life and continue to show some improvement here. That'd be interesting too. So the pick though for me is Vieira to win this fight. And I have to agree here. Um, Vieira was being groomed to, to fight for the title. I mean, she was undefeated, uh, 11 and 0, um, or 10 and 0, uh, heading into her last fight when Aldana knocked her out, uh, near the end of the first round. So she's looking to bounce back and get back in the mix for a title shot. Eubanks, on the other hand, um, you know, she was in trouble, uh, in the Bantamweight division and then, uh, pulled off a big upset in her last fight. Um, the difference here though is Eubanks took Avila out of her striking game with takedowns and that's just not going to, I don't think that works here against Vieira. Vieira is the better ground fighter, uh, than Eubanks. So Eubanks is going to be forced to stand this time and try to outpoint or knock out, uh, Vieira, which potentially could happen. We've seen Vieira get knocked out by Aldana, but, uh, Eubanks isn't nearly as dangerous on the feet as uh, Aldana is. Um, I just don't think she has the power or the technique. Um, and Vieira is not a terrible striker. You know, she's, she's stood on the feet and, you know, exchanged with some decent fighters in the UFC. So, um, I think this boils down to ground game and Vieira just has the superior, uh, ground game. She has uh, the better BJJ. I think her wrestling is better. And the most likely outcome here is Vieira riding out a decision, uh, over the course of three rounds. Um, the only thing that really has me concerned is that, uh, Vieira hasn't fought in about 10 months. So, you know, she could be a little rusty. Eubanks, I mean, literally just fought, uh, a couple weeks ago. So, uh, she is making a very quick turnaround. Uh, and she went to decision. It wasn't like she won in 30 seconds or something. So, you know, she's, she's ready to go, but, uh, I think this is biting off a little bit more than she can chew. She's being thrust right in there against one of the top women bantamweights in the world. And I think uh, Vieira should get the better of her here. So uh, Vieira is going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the flyweight division, we have Kai Kara France, who is 21 and 8, taking on Brandon Royval, who is 11 and 4. Now, Nick. Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? France opened minus 185, the comeback on Roy Val plus 160, and right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, France minus 220, the comeback on Roy Val plus 190. So more love on Cara France coming in. Understand it. I mean, again, Cara France is, is definitely the more trendy, the more popular, the more... I think proven fighter at this point amongst the UFC hardcore fans and the people that are just recently tuning into the sport. I mean, Roy Val is one of these guys that's been fighting outside of the UFC and having a lot of success against high level competition and LFA and various organizations or whatnot. And, and the guy's legit. I'm so glad that the UFC brought him in, gave him his opportunity and put him up against a very worthy opponent in Elliot and, and Roy Val got the W man. So this guy, as I said on uh, UFC on the line, this guy's kind of like a, a long lost Diaz brother, in my opinion. Um, that's kind of the attitude and the, the chip on the shoulder that he has when he fights and you know has capable stand-up it has a really good ground game as well and he's a finisher man so i love watching Royval fight car france on the other hand just one of these guys it's a steady 
good, improving fighter. You know what you get with him. He pushes a high pace, clean technical skill set, getting better all the time. I mean, his, his strength is really his stand-up game, but his wrestling and his ground game is kind of catching up really fast. And of course, again, coming from that Adesanya, um, you know, training team or whatnot, that camp that, that they're all together working hard. Um, iron sharpens iron, so to speak, and it's really showing for all these guys. So uh, France right now is just getting better and better, and it's going to be tough, for, I think, for Roy Val, the more I look at this fight, to kind of get the decision win over France. I think it's, Roy Val is more of a finish um, or die or finish or bust kind of fighter, in my opinion. I mean, he will be capable of keeping close and making this a competitive fight if it's the scorecards, but I don't see him kind of winning on the scorecards a guy like against a guy like Cara France. So I think he's going to have to finish Cara France, which isn't out of the question. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, especially on the ground, if he could get it done that way. But Cara France, has been a while since he's been finished. And I think, again, with the improvements, I think he should be able to outpoint Roval. So I'm going to go Cara France's way here. Um, I, again, it's not a favorite or pass situation, though. It's a dog or pass situation because I think Roval is a very difficult fighter to bet against just the way his style is. But I do see Cara France winning on the scorecards here, and it probably does hit the cards. So... If it does, France should win. I'm going to lean his way and pick him, but a dangerous fight for him, and it's going to be a fun fight. So I'm really looking forward to this, but my pick is going to be Car France to win. Yeah, this is, you know, a striker versus grappler matchup. I mean, you look at Roy Val, uh, this guy consistently throughout his career has picked up submission after submission after submission. Um, out of his 11 wins, I think eight or nine of them are by submission. So if he wins, it's get it to the floor take you out of your game and tap you out uh, arm bars uh triangle chokes from bottom and uh you know most recently the the arm triangle against Tim Elliott so uh this guy is dangerous uh it just boils down to can he get this to the ground because on the feet Kaikara France is a pretty solid technical striker and he should have the edge um so if it stays standing France is going to win if Roy Val gets it to the floor, I think there's a decent chance he taps uh, France out. Uh, we haven't really seen uh, France in a lot of trouble on the ground so far. Uh, you know, he's entered, you know, he's been on a nice run um, uh, before the UFC. And then in the UFC, he's gone, I believe, four and one uh, with some quality wins. I mean, most recently, the win over Tyson Nam looks even better. Uh, considering that Nam has won back-to-back knockouts. So, you know, he's a talented, capable striker, um, and he will absolutely outpoint Roy Val on the feet. Um, the main thing is, can he av- keep Roy Val at bay? Can he avoid uh, getting put on his back? And can he avoid the submission? Because uh, Roy Val is going to be hungry and aggressive and looking for that. And uh, it just it's, it's a really interesting dynamic. Um if it stays on the feet, France wins. If Roy Val takes it down, I think he wins. I think Roy Val can drag this to the floor. He's tough enough. And uh, in his last fight, he showed that he can push a really high tempo and then still have some gas left because that first round was crazy against him, Elliot. And he, he out gas tanked Elliot. Um, and I think he can do the same thing here. Like maybe France, you know, Start strong, but I think Roy Val wears him down a little bit. And the second that uh, France shows some weakness, uh, I think Roy Val takes it down and gets the submission. So I'm going to side with uh, Brandon Roy Val. I think uh, he wins a second or third round submission. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening. In the light heavyweight division, we have a battle for the vacant light heavyweight championship. 
as Dominic Reyes, who is 12 and 1, takes on Jan Blahovich, who is 26 and 8. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Reyes open minus 200, the comeback on Blahovich at plus 170. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, minus 265 for Reyes, the comeback on Blahovich at plus 225. So, not surprisingly, Reyes getting the action, getting the love early on. I mean, a lot of people think that he is the guy that defeated John Jones. I mean, he's the one that should have kind of got the nod and should be the light heavyweight champion right now already. It was a controversial decision. You can argue that Jones won that fight or whatnot, but the point is he hung with one of the greatest of all time in John Jones. So I think that automatically has boosted the respect factor amongst the public betters out there that Reyes is legit. And the guy is definitely, I mean, he's very talented. I mean, we've seen this coming when he made his UFC debut. We knew that there was hype around this guy and he's delivered throughout most of his performances. I mean, he's had some lackluster, you know, some moments at times that Ozdemir fight was definitely controversial or whatnot. Um, so, I mean, he hasn't been perfect. I give, you know, people credit the ones that are knocking him for maybe being a little bit overhyped or whatnot, but uh, I can understand that. But that's kind of part of his growth, in my opinion. And the guy is definitely coming into form now. He's going to be, again, very confident, and he believes in his mind that he is the light heavyweight champion. So he's a very capable and dangerous fighter. The other side of it, Blahovich is, man, I mean, what can you say about this guy? Always underrated, always the underdog, always just overlooked man i mean this guy has knockout power he showed it time and time again he, he's very capable especially on the feet i mean he's a well-rounded fighter has some submission ability has some ground ability as well and typically speaking when he loses fights it's because people take him down and or kind of control him on the floor i mean that's kind of been his kryptonite in the past more so than anything else um guys that he was able to keep things standing with he's usually had some success i mean you gotta you know take out that thiago santos loss which i think is very telling in this fight though as well because i mean obviously thiago santos is a beast and I mean he's got that kind of knockout power and he's a dangerous fighter on the feet I think Reyes can present a lot of those same problems as the fight progresses though for Blahovich, and he did end up kind of coming up obviously on the short end of that stick getting knocked out there in that spot so I think the durability of Reyes is just a little bit better not saying that Blahovich is chinny by any means I think the guy's very durable and he's tough and this is going to be a scrap but I think signs for me kind of point to Reyes being the more technical the better overall striker I think he's going to be the more durable fighter across the board and I think he's going to find that moment in the fight to probably finish Blahovich and get the W here but at the current price it's not a smart bet so I'm not saying go out there and bet Reyes to win this fight because I don't think you can I think you got to respect Blahovich's power and his capability here and the price is way too high so it probably is a dog or pass situation I just for me, I don't see Blahovich coming away with a win here, although he is capable. And again, you have to respect it. I'm going to pick Reyes to get the W here. I think he is, again, the better fighter, and I think he probably wins. But betting value is betting value, and there's no value, I think, <clears throat> in this spot, excuse me, laying the chalk on Reyes. So for me, I pick Reyes, but be careful if you're going to bet this fight. Yeah, this one could be you know tricky because – on paper, you would think, you know, Reyes was inches away from potentially being uh, the light heavyweight champ, the first person to truly defeat John Jones. Uh, you know, that was a career-defining performance uh, against Jones. Um, you know, you would think, okay, you know, Jones was the best. Reyes was right there with him. He should roll here. But uh, Blahovich is dangerous. You know, this guy has good stand-up, uh, good, solid technical stand-up. Um, he held his own on the feet against some very good strikers in his UFC career so far, uh, with stoppages against Alir Latifi, Corey Anderson most recently, ending uh, Anderson's hype a little bit. Um, 
stoppages against uh, Luke Rockhold, stoppages against uh, Nikita Krylov, uh, wins against Jared Cannonier, one of the top players at middleweight, uh, wins against Jimmy Manoa. His only loss in his last eight fights is to, is a third round, uh, loss to, uh, Tiago Santos, one of the other top players at light heavyweight. So, um, you know, Blahovich is fighting at a really high level right now and you cannot underestimate him. That being said, uh, I do think Ravis, Reyes is, uh, fighting, uh, you know, I think that he pushes a good pace. I think he has the, the technique. He's got the size. Um, he really took the fight to John Jones, especially early. Um, the, the thing that scares me a little bit is he did slow down. Um, and you know, if he starts really strong against Blahovich and doesn't put him away, we could see Blahovich, uh, turn the tides as this fight wears on. You know, Blahovich has gone the distance a lot in his career. Um, and that could, uh, pay dividends here. So, uh, I think this fight's close. Uh, Blahovich has, uh, a, some decent wrestling. He could potentially drag this to the floor, although Reyes did a good job of keeping it upright against Jones, who has a decent wrestling game. Um, you know, this is, this is a really, really interesting fight. I think, uh, Blahovich is going to keep it a lot closer than people think, and he could play upset, but I have to side with Reyes. I think, uh, He's fighting at a really high level now, and this is his time. And I think that he does walk away as the new UFC light heavyweight champion. Now, uh, moving on to the main event of the evening, we have Israel Adesanya, the UFC middleweight champion, defend, who is 19 and 0, defending his belt against Paulo Costa, who is 13 and 0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? My opening line over at Circa Sports was Adesanya minus 130 to come back on Costa at plus 110. Right now, looking over Circa, we're seeing Adesanya minus 170 to come back on Costa at plus 150. So from the beginning, it's been heavy action coming in Adesanya's way. That's why the line got pushed up to minus 170. There's definitely going to be public and sharp action coming in Adesanya's way. We're starting to see a little bit more sharp action coming in Costa's way as we get closer to fight time as well. So finally, some action coming back in Costa's way. But it's been all pretty much one-sided, a lot of strong opinion that Adesanya gets this fight done. I mean, this is going to be one of the best fights of our lifetime, I think, as far as, I mean, the possibilities and the stylistic matchup that we're going to see here with these two fighters. I think they're two of the best strikers, obviously, in the middleweight division right now and in the history of the sport. I mean, Costa with his power, with his precision, with his pace that he pushes. I mean, we haven't seen a fighter quite like him ever, I think, in the octagon. And, of course, Adesanya on this rise that he's, been on. I mean, it's been remarkable. I mean, what else could you say? Look at who he's beaten. I mean, he's definitely been battle tested and he's been capable and, and champion level, high caliber fighters. Um, the likes of Anderson Silva, Gaslam, Whitaker, Ramiro. I mean, he, he's there right now. I mean, he's ascending and a lot of people think that he's at that point where he's not going to lose a fight. So that said, Costa is a difficult matchup for him. I really do believe that. I know Adesanya's his precision. And his skill is, is just a thing of beauty because the, his movement and how he flows and how he counters is just 
awesome to watch. And he's obviously capable of finishing fights with that too. It's not always the one punch knockout power from all these muscle bound guys that you're used to seeing that gets it done. I mean, we've seen time and time again, how precise Adesanya is and he's capable of just putting that punch or kick on the right on the button and knocking his opponents out as well. So that's what he's going to look to do here. He's going to look to kind of pick Costa apart as Costa comes in here, the aggressor. But the problem here is Costa's very durable. I think Costa, again, is not just a sloppy, aggressive brawler. I think he digs the body well. He pushes a high pace. He's going to be in Adesanya's face. He's going to be connecting. And with the power and the precision that Costa has, I think it's going to be a difficult night for Adesanya. I think Costa's going to be able to steal rounds with his aggression. So I think the first three rounds or so, we're kind of going to be in a bank. If this fight progresses, I mean, it has the capability of obviously finishing early on. We could see this fight end by knockout either way in round one, round two. But if the fight continues to go into the deep waters and we see this in round three, round four, round five, I think Costa's already going to bank the first three rounds in his pocket. It's, it will get interesting, though, if it does hit round four and round five, because I think obviously Adesanya's cardio is better. He's more capable of kind of fighting at his own pace as the fight progresses a little bit. And Costa probably will be the more tired fighter. So as the fight goes on, it will get more interesting for sure. This is going to be, man, such an intriguing battle. I mean, just a chess match to say the least, but with high level, accurate, precise knockout artists that we're going to see just a fun fight. I mean, as Dana White said, there's no way this fight is, is going to be a boring or dull fight. It's not going to be like the Romero fight, that there's no chance. Costa, the pace that he pushes is not going to allow that. Izzy's going to have to fight in this spot. So, love it. Like I said, it's going to be, I think, one of the fights that I'm all-time fights that I'm looking forward to the most. I mean, that's how excited I am about this bout. And I think it's going to be Costa actually knocking Izzy out, Adesanya out, and, and getting it done here. So I believe there's some value at that price at plus 150, plus 155 is out there as well. I believe there's some value at Costa by knockout. I know it sounds crazy, and a lot of people are going to be thinking I'm totally nuts by saying this because I, I do have a ton of respect for Adesanya. I just think this is a very difficult fight for him, and I think I think people are underestimating how good Costa really is in this spot. So my pick is Costa. I think he gets it done here. He's going to be crowned the new champion. And I mean, let's see what the future holds for him. I think a lot of bright things ahead for Costa. And I think he gets it done here. So the pick, the bet, everything across the board for me is on Costa. In terms of striking technique, you have to side with Adesanya. Um, I mean, the guy is just an elite K1 level kickboxer. And as long as he is able to utilize his distance, he should be able to outpoint uh, or outstrike Costa. But Costa is hyper aggressive. Uh, he makes up for that lack of striking technique with pace, aggression, forward pressure. Um, like it's going to be really interesting to see how Adesanya responds to somebody that is in his grill throwing bombs. Uh, neither guy really likes to go to the ground, so I expect this fight to be on the feet the entire time. And it's going to boil down to Adesanya's technique against Costa's pace and volume. Um, and Costa has a chin on him, too. I mean, he ate some bombs against Yoel Romero, and he kept pushing forward um, and was able to, uh, you know, eke out a, a close decision. Um, Adesanya, on the other hand, you know, when he fought... Uh, Romero, it was a bit of a staring contest. So, uh, you know, neither guy was really pulling the trigger. Um, that's not going to be the problem here. What's interesting though, is when Adesanya does fight people who kind of get a little aggressive, that's when he shines. Uh, he's able to avoid those wild, crazy shots and land, uh, impressive strikes of his own. Uh, 
you know, when Robert Whittaker tried to take the fight to him, Adesanya knocked him out. When, uh, you know, several fighters have tried to take the fight to him, Adesanya has really uh, impressed. You know, Derek Brunson repeatedly tried to take him down, tried to get in his face. Adesanya destroyed him. Um, the closest fight that uh, Adesanya had was against uh, Gastelum. And uh, that was really interesting because, you know, Gastelum was aggressive. And, I mean, Costa is like a hyper-aggressive version of Gastelum on the feet. So um, I'm really, really anxious and interested to see how this plays out. Um, Costa has the, in terms of chin strength, Costa definitely has the better chin here. Uh, you know, Adesanya is 19 and 0 in the MMA, but he has been knocked out in K1 in kickboxing. So if Costa connects with something nasty, he can absolutely win. Uh, we also have seen Adesanya hurt, uh, in the Gastelum fight. So, uh, he could get knocked out here. And, uh, that being said, you know, when you're being really aggressive, it's those shots you don't see coming that knock you out. And Adesanya is definitely capable of landing those against Costa. So, we could see Adesanya win by knockout. Um, I am concerned about Costa just overwhelming Adesanya. Um, you know, p- aggression can outshine technique and overwhelm technique. Um, so footwork is going to be huge for Adesanya. He's going to really have to keep uh, circling and landing with those straight shots and avoiding the big, you know, bombs that Costa is going to be throwing. Um, he's going to have to be playing Matador for five rounds, I feel. Um, but I think that he can. So I'm going to side with Adesanya. I'm going to go with the technique, but I totally see where Nick is coming from. And I do think there is a definite path to victory here for Costa. He can win on the judges scorecards if it goes the distance because of his pace and aggression, and he could win by knockout. And I also think that Adesanya could win on the judges scorecards by outstriking Costa, avoiding getting hit consistently and potentially knocking Costa out along the way. So extremely intriguing main event battle between two undefeated strikers. And I'm going to go with the superior technician, but again, this is anybody's game. And if Costa really brings the fight to Adesanya and he cannot uh, get, you know, and he's forced to fight off his back foot and can't find that open space to really land his uh, solid technique, I can totally see a path to victory over Costa. But again, Adesanya will be my pick. So that'll do it for our UFC 253 full event breakdown. Um, if we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at Premium on Twitter. We also have a free bet section on MMAOddsBreaker.com, so you can check that out as well. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.